0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Phil. Thank you, Ms. Robin. Great songs. Great job. Uh, great thoughts. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 12. We're about two-thirds of the way through our Sunday evening series on Bible doctrines. Some of the doctrines we talked about, especially the ones that we began the series with, are major doctrines. Other, uh, others are minor doctrines. Uh, Last week, we finished two weeks of talking about angels. And though the Bible does not tell us all we wish we knew, he tells us all we really need to know. And last week, we focused on the work of good angels in our world. And though we are not to worship angels, nor even to seek to know their names, they are ministering spirits uh, sent from God to the people of God, uh, both now and in Bible days. Sometimes angels are messengers, At all times, they are ministers to believers, but we have no relationship with them at all. Our focus is on Jesus Christ, their creator. Angels worship Jesus. And so whether God helps us by an angel or directly by his spirit or through some person, either way, the glory belongs to God for all that happens. And anytime we begin to speculate on What's going on in the unseen spirit world? uh, I think we open ourselves up to deception. Tonight, uh, we're going to begin a new subject that will, I think, hold the interest of some here tonight, but be of little interest to others. I don't know if you've ever really thought about it deeply, but most subjects are like that. Uh, People are at different places in their spiritual walk, they are in different circumstances in life, and People have different gifts. Uh, Sometimes uh, someone has a spiritual gift of prophecy, speaking forth the word. And so a message that might really stir the heart of someone with the spiritual gift of prophecy, it may not strike someone with the spiritual gift of ministry the the same way. Same thing where you might have the spiritual gift of showing mercy and you see and hear different things and need different things perhaps at times than someone with a spiritual gift of teaching. Now, though this subject, I'm sure, won't interest everyone here, uh, this subject does have a lot of practical applications in our spiritual walk and uh, our prayer life and what we think about a couple of political issues. Uh, It has a lot of impact on end time events. And since many of the upcoming messages that I have prepared are linked to end-time events. It is essential that we spend some time first talking about the nation of Israel. Now, with a subject like this one, to be honest with you, I really struggle. I don't know how in depth I should teach on a Sunday night. Uh, I mean, this is not the Bible Institute college class, and I, on Sunday nights I use those uh, opportunities to speak on deeper things than I typically do on Sunday mornings, and if you're here on a Sunday night, uh, by the way, you likely have more than just a passing interest in, in Bible things, and I, and, I, and I respect that. But I do want to be helpful to everyone who pays attention And some of what we talk about when it comes to the nation of Israel is pretty basic, and other things, uh, you know, quite frankly, they are meat of God's Word. And so certainly if you are interested in the meat of God's Word, and I think all of us are to some degree, I, I hope you'll find this helpful, but hear me when I say no one will ever understand the Bible deeply who does not understand the key covenants of the Bible. Now we're not going to cover all the covenants in this series, though I have done that in the past on Wednesday nights, but I do tonight, I want to cover what's called the Abrahamic Covenant. Uh, This covenant has a deep impact on what uh, we think about the nation of Israel and our view of end time events. So as we begin to think about this thought, what is the Abrahamic Covenant? And what does it have to do with me as a New Testament follower uh, of of Jesus Christ. If you're able to stand tonight, if you would stand, please, in honor of God's word, uh, the Abrahamic covenant, and the nation of Israel. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will shew thee. And I'll make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Thank you. You might be seated. God spoke to Abram when he was uh, living with his family in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. And Ur of the Chaldees was later a part of the Babylonian Empire, which means it's a part of modern-day Iraq. And God, in this particular statement we just read, he made seven great promises to Abram if Abram would meet two conditions. Both of the conditions that Abram needed to meet were simple to understand, but they were difficult to do. By the way, most of the key things in the Bible are like that. They are simple to understand, but difficult to do at times. Now, Abram did not fully obey God uh, when he left Ur of the Chaldees, and instead of going to the land where God wanted him to go, he paused in a place called Haran, and there his father died. And in Haran, because he had not fulfilled either one of the two conditions that God had given him in this covenant, he did not receive any of the promises that God had made to him. Uh, by the way, uh, notice in verse 1 there, it says, Now the Lord had spoken unto Abraham. That's past tense, because God spoke to him when he was in Ur of the Chaldees. Notice in verse 4, that's why it closes out. It says, When he departed out of Haran. And so Abram was spoken to by God in Ur of the Chaldees, and he traveled about six or 700 miles northwest to a city called Haran. And then he traveled about 500 Or miles south, five or six hundred miles south to the land of Canaan. Uh, We don't know how many weeks, how many months, or how many years Abram missed God's blessing in Haran. We just know the simple thing in verse four that when he was 75, he left Haran. He could have been there a week, he could have been there a month, he could have been there a year, he could have been there 10 years. We just don't know. God called him in Ur, he went part way. And he finally left Haran when he was 75 for the land of Canaan. Now, when Abram finally arrived in Canaan, he had separated himself from all of his family except for his nephew Lot. And that's why verse 5 says, And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. Now, Lot was Abram's nephew. And Lot's father died young. And Abram took Lot in his house. And so because Lot had grown up under Abram's care, Abraham's care uh, it was very tough for him to separate from Lot and Abraham, unfortunately, he failed to do so. Uh, by the way, separation from the world unto God has always been and always will be part of being a faithful follower of God. It has never been easy. But separation, though not easy, is always essential to staying close to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Did you catch the conditions, the two conditions in this uh, covenant with Abraham? And there's two conditions and seven promises in what we call the Abrahamic covenant. Notice the two conditions, Abram's part in verse 1. He needs to get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. That's the first part. Leave your country and your family. And By the way, according to Joshua 24:2, 2, Abram's uh, dad was not a believer in Jehovah. And so he was leaving a pagan family in a pagan land to follow Jehovah. Did you catch the second part of Abram's conditions here? He says, and go unto a land that I will show thee. Now, that's a long travel. Uh, there, there was no video, there were no photographs, there were no uh, anything. In fact, we don't even know that God told him where he was supposed to go. He just said, go to the place I show you, and Abraham left. Now understand, neither of these tasks were easy. In fact, it was very difficult. But Abram obeyed God. Did you catch the seven parts of God's promise? If Abram met these two conditions, God made him seven promises. This is the Abrahamic covenant. Notice in verse two, here's the first one, I will make of thee a great nation. Notice the second one, I will bless thee. Notice the third one, I will make thy name great. Notice the fourth one, "Ah, thou shalt be a blessing. Notice the fifth one, I'll bless them that bless thee. The sixth one, I will curse him that curseth thee. And the seventh part, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God says to Abraham, you do those two things and I will do these seven things. Now we could spend a whole week on each of these aspects of those sevenfold promise that God made to Abraham and how God had fulfilled those over the years, but I don't wanna spend time on that. Uh, but we will learn as time goes on that some of these promises were fulfilled in the physical offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, while others were fulfilled in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, today, we know who the Messiah is, but Abraham would have had no idea. Now, Abraham's faith and faithfulness would be a blessing to him and his immediate family, as well as many others. By the way, it is always a blessing to us and the people around us when we obey God. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Uh, now, when Abraham finally left Haran and entered Canaan, God expanded his promises to him to give the land to Abram's seed. Verse 6 and 7. Abram passed through that land into the place of Sichem, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. By the way, that's a key phrase that highlighted in my Bible. Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared uh, unto him. And so we now see that Abraham, when he arrives in Canaan, God expands his promise and says, listen, I will give this land to your seed. By the way, no one should be shocked that God who sent Abram from Ur of the Chaldees to the land of Canaan, that when he got there, God said, I'm gonna give you this land. No one should be surprised by that at all. And what we'll see is that from this time forward, the land of Canaan becomes the first of three key aspects of the Abrahamic covenant. There's no condition attached to this promise. The land belongs to Abram's seed. Now, that can't be said about everything God promised, because Abram hasn't yet fulfilled both of his requirements. The land of Canaan is unconditionally promised to Abram's seed, the promise of a faithful God, which brings up a question. Just who is that seed of Abraham to whom the land is promised? The nation of Israel is the physical seed of Abram through his son Isaac and ultimately through Jacob. The Palestinians uh, are the physical seed of Abraham through his son Ishmael. The Arabs are that physical seed. Uh, We are the spiritual seed of Abraham through Jesus Christ. Is the seed Ishmael and the Arabs? Is the seed Isaac and the Jews? Is the seed Christian people? We haven't yet been told. Abram was in the land, but he still hadn't received any of God's seven promises because he's only fulfilled one of the two things God asked from him. Turn up a few pages to chapter 13. Sorry for the raspy voice tonight. Um, It would be better if I had the heart to not sing when we sing, but I just can't do it. Uh, I don't sing well, but I do like to sing, and um, so some of what might have been clearer was used on that. Genesis chapter 13, verse 8, and Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. By the way, isn't that a great attitude for a couple of believing people to say, you know what? We don't need to have the world watch us fight. Verse 9, Abram says, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And if thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. If thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go uh, to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan uh, that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt as thou comest unto Zoar, and then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Uh, we're not told how many years passed between Abraham Abram coming into the land and his separation from Lot, his nephew. We do know that Abram lived without the blessings, full blessings of God for years if the Bishop Usher chronology is right, as much as five or six years, because he hadn't fulfilled both parts of what God offered him when God offered him this covenant. But Abraham now, that he's separated from Lot, has completely filled his end of the bargain. Remember the first part of his bargain? Leave your family, leave the land where you are. And the second part, uh, separate from your family and go to the land that I will show you. Now that's done. So notice how God responds and notice the key word after. Verse 14, it said, And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, to thy seed forever. And I'll make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also uh, be numbered. Arise and walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. That key word is after. And that's a key word because now Abraham has finally fulfilled both aspects of his end of the covenant. Remember? Remember? Leave your family, leave the land, go to the land that I will show you. Now that he's fulfilled it, God comes to him and there's an unconditional promise. Did you notice the land, I will give it in verse 15, to thy seed forever. Now, seed, obviously here, uh, is something other than Jesus. Jesus is singular, but in verse 16, I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. So this is a little hint. God is beginning to kind of shed a little bit of light on what God means when he talks about seed. And we see the second key aspect of the Abrahamic covenant, the numerical growth of Abraham's physical seed. It's an unconditional promise. Uh, God uses dust of the earth because you cannot uh, count Abram's physical seed. You wouldn't be able to number it. Part of that is that it's such a large number. And part of the reason is that humanly speaking, we really don't know, even with modern genetics, who exactly God considers the physical seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God knows who they are. But beyond us linking the last name of Cohn, K-O-H-N, or Cohen, C-O-H-N, uh, C-O-H-E-N, uh, with the Levitical tribe of the priests, and so we know people with that name are Levites, uh, beyond that, we don't know anything. The second key aspect of the Abrahamic covenant, the numerical growth of Abram's physical seed. Who is the seed? to whom these promises are made. Now we're told in the Bible that Abraham had eight sons. There's four ways we can look at this seed thing. Which one uh, is the seed of Abraham? They all are, but to whom is the promise made? Uh, First, you can be the spiritual, keep your hand there, go to Galatians chapter three. Keep your hand there, we'll pop back there in a minute. Galatians chapter three. Notice in Galatians 3.29, it says, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So it could be the seed is Christian people. Could be, because certainly we're the seed of Abraham and have some of those promises. Uh, It could be Abraham's physical lineage to his grandson Jacob and the Jews. It could be Abraham's physical lineage through Ishmael and the Arabs. It could be any one of the other six sons that Abraham had with his second wife, Keturah. Who, who is the seed to whom these promises are fulfilled? We, we've just seen two aspects of, of the covenant. Remember, Abraham did his part. Now everything falls on a faithful God who made some promises. The promise, the land, the promise, the multiplied seed and we've got some, a little bit of light on it, but not fully yet, that, wow, that, that, that seed is multiplied and, and Jesus is one. Who is the seed? Now, by the time, and you back to Genesis 13, where we were before. By the way, if you want something that's always easier, uh, just Sunday mornings. Uh, sometimes on Sunday nights, we're gonna dig in a little bit And and I get it. To some of you, this is about as interesting as fingernails on a chalkboard. And to others of you, again, depending on where you are in your spiritual life and your spiritual gifts, this is very interesting stuff. I'll tell you what, this is a foundational truth to all the Bible. Foundational truth to all the Bible. So by the time we arrive at Genesis 13, Abraham's about 80. His wife Sarah is about 70 and they have no children yet of their own. The only way Abram could see the fulfillment of what God had promised him was through eyes of faith. He didn't yet have any physical offspring. He didn't yet own any part of the land whatsoever for the seed to multiply like the dust of the earth. Several years Pass. Abram continues to walk with God by faith. And God encourages his faith and expands his promises. Notice in Genesis chapter 15, after Abram leads a military campaign against five kings and refuses the riches that the king of Sodom offers him, notice what God does. It says in verse 1 of chapter 15, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Uh, Abram said, behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Say, what's he talking about? It was an ancient custom that if you didn't have any physical descendants, one of your uh, close servants in your house, you could make the child of that servant your heir. That's what Abram's talking about. Abraham is struggling in his faith. God, God, you said you'd multiply my seed. God, you said you'd give my seed this land. I don't have anybody. Uh, Abram was a great man, but he's still just a man. And so he's struggling. He said, God, what's going on here? And God goes on in verse 4, and he says, Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven. Tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he that's Abram believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give this land to inherit. And we'll stop there for now. Abraham is struggling. We see the repetition of these key aspects. Abraham would inherit the land, the numerical growth of his seed. And now instead of being likened unto the dust of the earth, it's likened unto the stars of the sky. From what I am told, that depending on where you are in the earth and look up, you can see between 2,000 and 6,000 stars. That's all that promise would have meant to Abraham, but understand God saw more. God understood that in our own galaxy, there are several hundred billion stars and God knows that there are several hundred billion galaxies and what God was saying to Abraham is what he said when he was talking about the dust. He said, listen, it's going to be a large number and you will not be able to count them. Same repetition of these two Key aspects. You say, why are you repeating that? Because God does. He's establishing a foundational truth in the beginning of the Bible that he plans to carry all the way through the Bible, all the way to end time events. Notice God is going to confirm these promises to Abraham in verse eight. He said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? That's Abraham struggling with his faith. He said unto him, God says, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took him unto him all these and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against the other, and, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Say, What's going on? Ancient covenants were very often uh, completed and done by cutting these animals in half. And they would put one half on each side, and the two parties who were making the covenant, they would walk in between these two bloody carcasses cut in half. So why would they do that? Because it was a huge deal to make a covenant. And so God says, you get ready to make this covenant with me. Verse 12, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and low and horrible and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, of no a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance." and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. By the way, let's let's stop there. Did you notice God here, absolutely, positively, clarity, without any question of a doubt, defined seed. In the same incident, when the seed was going to inherit the land and the seed was gonna be at the start, did you see in verse 13 who the seed is? They will, Thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. This is not the Messiah, this is Israel. They were in Egypt 400 years. The seed to whom these promises are made, the promises we've covered so far, there are others to the Messiah, but the uh, multiplied seed, And the uh, land, they are to Israel. They are the seed that was enslaved for 400 years. There's no arguing it. No New Testament definition of Israel being spiritual Israel has, you can't read that back into this. And so when we answer this question, we're confronted by, uh, to whom is the seed? Who, Who is the land promised to? Who's the promise of the multiplication? It's to the physical offspring of Abraham, and as we'll see in a minute, through Isaac, and ultimately through Jacob, unquestionably. Now, this is an unconditional covenant. Normally, when someone made a covenant, Both parties walked in between these carcasses that have been cut in half. But notice what happens because God wants to make sure that this promise has nothing to do with what Abraham does or does not do. Notice God symbolized here, passes through them. In verse 17, it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. That passed between those pieces. And God is symbolized here by that smoking furnace and burning lamp. Abraham was sleeping. God says, I'm going to keep these promises. Says in verse 18, the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. From the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he goes on to name some people in that land. God made an unconditional promise to Abraham to give the land to his seed that would be enslaved in the land of Egypt. No doubt about it. God confirms this later on multiple occasions. Look at chapter 17 and verse 20. You say, why are you repeating this? God does. This is a foundational truth for all of the scriptures. Notice in Genesis 17, verse 20. And as for Ishmael, God says, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful. These are the Arabs. Will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget. And I'll make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at the set time next year. Listen, people may not care about this much, But this matters a lot to God. (laughs) That's why he keeps repeating it. Listen, John 3.16 is only in there once. In fact, find me another incident where the Bible specifically talks about Jesus loving the world. He didn't only say that once. His life was a continual demonstration of that. But this truth, God wants it foundational, and so he repeats it to us often. Now, by this time, Abram's 99, Sarah's 89, he'd been in the land about 24 years. God's everlasting covenant isn't with Ishmael and the Arabs. It was with Abraham and his line through Isaac. Now, for those who are interested in emphasizing what God emphasizes, he's not done. Emphasizing these unconditional promises. Hop up to Genesis 21. Notice God confirms again that Isaac is a seed to whom the unconditional covenant is made. When Abram sends Ishmael away in Genesis 21, uh, verse 12, uh, notice what it says. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, because of thy bondwoman, and all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also the son of the bondwoman, that's Ishmael, will I make a nation because he is thy seed. But notice, the seed and the covenant are to Isaac. Super important. Go up to Genesis 22. Time clock goes past 20 more years. Isaac is now 20-ish, maybe 14, maybe 15, maybe in his early 20s. We're not telling that story, but he was old enough to resist his dad. He just didn't. And because Isaac allowed his father to offer him there on Mount Moriah as a sacrifice, and because God saw that Abraham was willing to trust that God would raise him from the dead because the promises were through him, notice what God says to Abraham again in Genesis 22, verse 15, because here God is going to add the third key aspect to the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis 22, verse 15, and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven a second time, and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and it's not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Do you see that multiplied seed, land? In verse eighteen, and here's the third aspect of the covenant. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed me, obeyed my voice. This is the promise of the Messiah. It is a. Further explanation of the seventh part of God's promise. Do you remember it from Genesis 12? In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And now he says here in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And this is a key moment in dealing with the Abrahamic covenant because we're now given the third key aspect. Remember, repeat it over and over and over again. The land belongs to your seed. The multiplication belongs to your seed. And now all the earth will be blessed in your seed. And that is a specific promise of Jesus Christ and the blessing in the Messiah. God confirms all three of these aspects to Isaac. Go up to Genesis 26. You know, sometimes when I preach, I'm trying to reach your heart. Uh, This morning, I was preaching for your heart. Uh, Tonight, I'm preaching for your head. Remember, we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, that's our affection, all our soul, that's our life, Uh, all our mind, that's how we think, and all our strength, that's what we do. Uh, Loving God isn't just an emotional thing. There's an aspect of loving God that has to do with how we think and believe. Notice God confirms these three aspects of his unconditional covenant to Isaac. Chapter 26, verse one, and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine. That was in the days of Abraham. Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar, and the Lord appeared unto him and said, by the way, you know whenever the Lord appears to Abram, that's Jesus, right? Jesus said, no man hath seen the father at any time. Lord appeared unto him and said, go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Here we go, watch for this threefold promise. Sojourn in the land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries and I'll perform the oath which I swear unto Abram thy father. I'll make thy seed multiply as the stars of heaven. will give unto thy seed all these countries and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. But you see all three aspects. Land, multiplied seed, the Messiah. This must be important. He's repeated it again. Go up a few chapters farther to Genesis 28 and uh, Jacob, uh, as you know, was a bit of a deceiver and actually he was a lot of a deceiver. He deceived his father Isaac and his brother Esau threatened to kill him and so he left. And on leaving for the land of his mother's origin, uh, he stops in Bethel and he makes a rock uh, into a pillow. And God speaks to him there And let's read what God said, and I bet we see all three aspects of the Abrahamic covenant now given to Jacob. Genesis 28, verse 10, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. He took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows, and he lay down in that place to sleep. He dreamed, behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. Behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abram, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad toward the west, the east, to the north, to the south, and in thee, and in thy seed, so, all the families of the earth be blessed. You see, all three aspects. First to Abraham, then to Isaac, then to Jacob. The land, the multiplied seed, Messiah. He said, Brother Wally, what does it matter? You lay this foundation, it's pretty tedious. But it's under, understanding this basic covenant is key to understanding God's dealing with the nation of Israel all through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, and for the last 2,000 years. It matters. In fact, go to Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus 32, less than 40 days after God had given the people of Israel and audibly had spoken unto them the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up to the mountain to meet with God for 40 days, and while he's gone, Aaron and a portion of the Israelite people build a golden calf. Not surprisingly, God's angry. They just promised to keep his covenant, and the beginning of the covenant is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. They immediately break it, Uh, God is going to destroy them. Notice how Moses prays. And without understanding the Abrahamic covenant, this prayer doesn't make any sense. But if you understand the unconditional promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, first for the land, then for the multiplied seed, and then for the Messiah, this makes perfect sense. Exodus 32, verse 13. Here's Moses praying, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and says unto them, I'll multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Notice seed is a they. say, why does that make sense? Because seed in Genesis was the enslaved people of Israel. To the nation of Israel, God has promised that land forever. God has promised to multiply their numbers and he promised the Messiah would come from their lineage. Though Moses didn't mention that here. One last place, Deuteronomy 10. Say, good, I'm sick of this. I am supposed to feed you. And some people here need different diets than others. And so some of you this morning had to just uh, hold on for a moment when I was not really teaching you anything new. And I wanted God to stir your heart. And some of you others are gonna have to be patient tonight because there's people here with their mind they wanna understand these things. Notice Moses refers to this promise and again, seed is clearly Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14. Deuteronomy 10, 14. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. The seed, Israel, loved by God, chosen above all people. Listen, this covenant is the only way to understand and explain why God doesn't wipe Israel off the map 50 different times in the Old Testament and who knows how many times in the last 2000 years. But God said, Abraham, you do these two things. I'll do these seven things. And then he unconditionally promised the land to his physical seed Israel the multiplication to the physical seed Israel and the Messiah, Jesus Christ. If You're here tonight and you're not saved. You need the Messiah. It is through Jesus Christ that all the families and nations of the earth are blessed. I hope you're not just a Baptist because if you're just a Baptist and miss Christ, you're gonna be cast into the lake of fire. And I would to God you'd turn to Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, isn't it a wonderful thing that we have a faithful God who can make promises that no man could keep. And he's been keeping this all the way since Genesis 12. Amen. Amen. You'd quietly stand.